On today's episode of the Aggie Wagon Podcast, I found a key statistic present in almost every single New Mexico State victory this season, and something that has been totally absent in games they've lost. Jabari Rice is going to drop by to talk about whether or not the NMSU Grand Canyon series is actually a rivalry. Stick around to find out what the second longest tenured Aggie has to say about NMSU's biggest whack competition. Play the theme song. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Aggie Wagon Podcast a place for New Mexico State men's basketball skeptics, fanatics, doubters, and really anyone who likes basketball. I'm your host, Stephen Wagner. Let's shoot the breeze. What's good, folks? We're back again for another episode of the Aggie Wagon Podcast, and guys, we've got a big game this week. I'm not going to say whether it's a rivalry yet or not, since Saturday is actually the first time that I'll get to experience this conference series in person, But this is definitely the highest marketed home basketball game NMSU has had since they played New Mexico in late November. And I would actually argue this game is actually being more intensely marketed than that one since this game is going to be the annual whiteout game. But I'm not going to fully take a stance yet. I want to wait and see what this game is like itself first before I make a judgment. That's going to be my rule. I'll make a judgment. I'll state my opinion. But first, I want to actually experience the game itself. And I promise by March 1st, I'll have a definite opinion one way or the other. And besides, we're going to have Jabari Rice on the show a little later to actually hear what the head of the Aggie Dragon thinks, which probably matters way more than my dumb opinion anyway. But a lot happened last week, so let's catch up on some conference headlines. New Mexico State suffered its worst conference loss of the Chris Jans era Thursday against Sam Houston State, losing 71-46, which marked the first time the Aggies have lost a whack game by more than 20 points since 2012. And Sam Houston shocked the entire conference and catapulted ahead of NMSU in the WAC standings after being projected to finish in the bottom half of the league before the season started. Oddly enough, on the same night Sam Houston beat NMSU 71-46, Stephen F. Austin also beat Grand Canyon 71-46 to knock the league's top two teams down a peg. The Aggies rebounded against SFA Saturday with a 72-58 win in which they played much, much better and put their worst performance of the season behind them to end up splitting their two-game East Texas swing. But Grand Canyon wasn't as fortunate and dropped consecutive games to SFA and Sam Houston. Both teams have had a full week off to prepare for Saturday's game, which is an absolute must-win for Grand Canyon to avoid dropping three straight games. But I was looking through the numbers, and I found a key to success I hadn't realized before until I actually did a deep dive. But first, I'm going to start with this. So... I want you to picture 16-year-old Steven fresh off a growth spurt and with a retainer fumbling out of his mouth in a baseball uniform that was way too big for him. I know there's at least a few people out there who can, but I'm sure you can picture how it looked. And when I was in high school, we were always in really good baseball districts for our size. That was, that was, that was kind of my sport. That was baseball growing up. And I remember one year we were playing this pitcher that had a ton of offers to a bunch of different Power 5 schools and This pitcher was awesome. He was insanely talented. We didn't have anyone on our team who was nearly as talented as he was. He could throw like 95 or 96 miles an hour, and he he had a curveball that nobody could touch. But I remember the first time we played against this dude, he was coming off an injury, and he was on a pitch limit. So he could only throw like 60 pitches or something like that before he actually had to be pulled, or he would mess up his arm. And none of us could touch him with our bats. So our coach told us that every at-bat, we had, we were going to wait to swing until he threw a strike. We needed to drive his pitch count up so we could knock him out of the game fast and we could get into their bullpen because if this kid 
was going to be able to stay in the game and pitch into the fifth, sixth, seventh innings, we were going to be totally screwed. And if we didn't knock him out fast, we were going to be in serious trouble. And I remember what happened was we didn't we, we didn't knock him out fast. He stayed in the game. Then he finally got pulled midway or late in the game when they were already up like 10 to nothing. And their reliever wasn't that good. And so, you know, I think we got a few hits off him and then scored some runs to make things a little interesting. But it always felt like the other team with a really, really good player was going to win. They didn't knock us out. They didn't totally knock us out. And we were technically in that thing the whole way. But if you're a fan and you just looked at the stat sheet, you'd probably say that it always felt like the other team was going to win, and they did. And I dug through NMSU stat sheets, and I found some really interesting stuff. So NMSU's average margin of victory against Division I opponents this season is plus 4.3 points. That means they're averaging winning by 4.3 points. It's 8.1, it's 8.1 points overall but I'm not going to include Division II opponents because NMSU is usually classified as as an exhibition match for those schools, so they don't even count their stats for those games. In every single game they've won this year against a Division I opponent except Washington State and New Mexico, they've led by at least 10 points at some point. In six of those games, they've led by at least 10 points at some point in the first half. I know you might be saying, okay, but what about the games they've lost? Well, against Utah State, they led by two. And then against New Mexico, they led by four. And then against Sam Houston State, they never led. And they trailed Utah State and Sam Houston by double digits in the first half. And against UNM, they trailed by eight late in the first half. Now, The Aggies aren't quite the Gonzaga of the whack. They aren't going to fire out to a huge lead really early in the game and completely take you out and deliver that knockout blow in the first 10 or 15 minutes. But they've proven this year they can jump on you. They're very capable of that. They've grabbed a double-digit lead in literally half of their wins against Division I teams. And when they lose, they literally never lead by more than four points. And MSU's recipe for success, especially for this team, is to jump on the other team's butt because once they take that double-digit lead, there's almost no way the opponent is going to be talented enough to be able to claw back. And when you look at their schedule, they really are talented. They really are more talented than almost every every team they've beaten. I'd say Washington State is probably more talented, and they would win a do-over. And I feel like Davidson has an edge in talent too, but 14 of the 16 teams they've beaten they have more pure, raw talent then. They're more talented than New Mexico, but when they lost that game, they played one of their worst defensive performances in a really long time. So when they get up on their opponents, and they're getting up on teams that they're more talented than to begin with, they've got enough raw talent to be able to hold them off. But if you can keep NMSU from getting up on you, period, you can really give them a knockout blow. Because when that deficit gets massive in the first half, the Aggies' confidence starts to collapse, and they end up just getting blown out. You can see it in their body language. They start slumping their shoulders. They don't run as fast down the court on defense. They don't dive for as many loose balls. They just look really unconfident. Washington State is the exception, and all I can come to is Chris Jans must have given a hell of a halftime speech when NMSU was down by 14 points at the break. Because in every other game that they've trailed by more than 10 points, at any point, they end up losing. Knock him out before he gets up on you. 
and you've got a chance. Because once NMSU gets up on you by 10 points or more, I'm not saying that it's over, but the Aggies haven't lost a game this season where they've led by double digits. Even as ugly and as dirty as some of those non-conference wins were, they still ended up winning and just barely avoiding blowing that lead, but they still won. Like, they beat UTEP on a shot that was almost at the buzzer. It was on NMSU's last offensive possession. They were up by 10 points at one time. They had 26 turnovers against Loyola Marymount, and there was a time during that game where they led by 10 points. They haven't blown a double-digit lead this season, although it has really felt like they've tried to in a few games. But if you look at the rest of their schedule, now that we're in conference play, who do you think can come back from a double-digit deficit on NMSU? Do you like Sam Houston State? I don't. They're at their best when they play with a lead. They aren't great from behind, but they are good. Do you like Stephen F. Austin? NMSU just beat them and had a 10-point lead in the first half. Grand Canyon, they're down from last year. The bottom half of the conference, it's kind of a train wreck where everybody's just beating everybody. But if you get up early on NMSU and you can shatter their confidence, things get a little bit interesting. All right, so I'm bringing back a familiar face, or maybe you could say a familiar voice for our next guest. Let's welcome Jabari Rice back onto the show. Jabari, how's it going? What's up? How's it going? Pretty good. All right, man. Well, uh, we're really glad to have you back. So, uh, first off, you guys are playing Grand Canyon this week, and there's a little bit of debate on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a debate about whether or not GCU is actually a rival for New Mexico State. So, from a guy who's experienced this series more than anyone on the team not named Johnny McCants, uh, is this a rivalry? Yes, it is. I think it's a big-time rivalry. Okay, what do you think makes it a big-time rivalry? Uh, you know, you, you know what, what constitutes a big-time rivalry? You know, what, what has to be there? What, what gives this thing the energy, the zip, whatever it is? Um, I feel like uh, the energy, the crowds, uh, the atmosphere, just the hype around us playing them. Uh, they always bring fans. Their fan base is always big. Uh, their coach always coaches hard. And it's just always more intense when we play them. So I would call it a rivalry game. And it's always fun for the other team to win. Yeah, so obviously, you know, you guys have two other definite rivals. You know, UTEP's a rival and New Mexico is a rival. But, you know, where would you rank this game among those other two rivalries just as far as intensity and atmosphere goes? Uh, how do you think it How do you think it compares? Where do you think it falls? Shoot, I think the GCU, the, I mean, the UNM rivalry is definitely like one of the biggest rivalries just because it's uh, between states. But I feel like, as far as programs go and basketball, so like GCU is it's nothing compares to that. Just because when we play them there, it's just an atmosphere that you can't compare to. And then when they play us here, our fans always sell it out. So it's just a different, a different type of atmosphere when we play them. So whenever you have a rival, whenever you have a rivalry like that, you know, does it make it that much sweeter whenever you're able to beat someone? Uh, you know, I know you were on that team a few years ago whenever Johnny hit that half-court buzzer beater. Does that add something mm -hmm. special whenever you're able to beat a rival like that? Yeah, it always does. It's just a, a thing you can tell your children and, and different things that make you go down in history and just 
that make you be remembered more when you show up in these big games. And these are the games that people actually come out to see more than others. So I think, like, just winning these games and staying undefeated during the season against them and I guess trying to get our, our wins back from last year is probably the best thing. Yeah, so, you know, going off that a little bit more, uh, you know, you guys lost to them three straight times um, last season. And, that and you know, losing to any opponent three times in a row is not something that Chris Jance's team have – Chris Jance's teams have, you know, exactly been known for. Um, you know, yeah. do you feel any added motivation going into this year? Kind of, you know, like we, you know, like we want to get you guys back for, for what you did to us last year. Yeah, and I also just think uh, we have, like, team goals this year. So I don't think it's about last year too much. But I do want to get the taste out of mouth of a loss from them last year. So I guess it, it is a little bit more personal than uh, normal. All right, so be honest with me here. Did you miss playing that game in front of fans last year? Because, you know, rivalry or not, you know, it always brings out some of the highest attendance of the season for both schools. You know, their place is always packed. The Pan Am is always packed. Um, you know, did you feel like a little bit of the intensity, some of the atmosphere maybe was missing last season? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they only got to have, like, 1,500 fans and, we didn't get to play at home. We had to play them both there. And then when we played in Vegas, we didn't have too many fans. So I guess the atmosphere is going to be a lot different. The crowds are going to be different for them as well. And just being able to come here and they never beat us here. So being able to have to come here again and, and have to complete that task is going to be hard for them. All right. And last question for you here, since you're calling this a rivalry and you're obviously a player, What's your favorite part of the rivalry? What makes this thing special and what makes it something that players and fans can and should be exceptionally invested in for whenever this game comes up on the schedule? Um, I guess hard playing. Like uh, the, the notch is turned up a whole, a whole another level. I mean, they're coming off of two losses, so they're going to come in here swinging with everything and we just have to be able to respond to that and it's always harder when a team comes off a loss and they and they have something to, to prove so i think that's what they're going to come in with all right jabari as always it's been a pleasure you've been a fantastic guest best of luck to you guys on saturday and thanks a bunch my guy i appreciate you thanks for having me all right, so it's time for our final segment, the Way Out Wagner prediction. And this week, we've got probably the most highly anticipated matchup of conference play, given that NMSU and GCU are responsible for the WAC's last four bids to the NCAA tournament and probably would have been responsible for five if they didn't get totally screwed by COVID canceling the NCAA tournament in 2020. This game is absolutely a must win for Grand Canyon. And even though they're down a little bit from last year, they really didn't have a bad loss until last week's disasters against Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston. It feels like a long time ago, but we were just talking about how if things played out the right way and NMSU and GCU were able to basically beat out the rest of the whack, that the conference could possibly send two teams to the NCAA tournament if all the cards fell into place. But it is very clear that that is no longer a plausible reality, although it was a fun week while it lasted. But still... Saturday is not a game that Grand Canyon can afford to lose as a loss would most likely send them into a tie for fourth place with Utah Valley and put them two full games behind the Aggies. 
So with that being said, my money is on GCU coming out and really trying to push the pace early. I see Grand Canyon trying to deliver the knockout blow in the first 10 to 15 minutes, but at a packed and white out Pan Am, that is going to be next to impossible to do. And I see New Mexico State weathering an early storm before turning things around with a late first half run and finally pulling away in the second half, which means GCU is going to have to wait until at least next year to get its first win at the Pan Am. I'm going to take New Mexico State 72-65, to and the Lopes are going to drop their third straight game. Folks, that's it for Season 1, Episode 11 of the Aggie Wagon Podcast. Again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, be sure to leave a like if you enjoy the podcast. You can follow the Las Cruces Sun News' NMSU basketball coverage on our website, and you can follow me on Twitter at StephenWag22. That's Stephen with a PH. So until next time, I'll bid you folks farewell and happy trails. Under that shining desert